Welcome back to MNEX's weekly podcast covering the top regulatory stories from around the world. My name is James Paniki. I'm MNEX's Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. It's great to be with you again today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And what a week it has been in California. The court battle between Epic, which is the maker of the popular video game Fortnite, and tech company Apple is still going full throttle. As we'll hear, some high-profile witnesses have taken the stand and some controversial issues have been ventilated, including the extent to which smutty content is available on Apple's App Store. It's an antitrust lawsuit playing out in a US court over Apple's decision to deny Fortnite access to its App Store. And that in itself should offer our loyal listeners all the titillation they need. There's also the issue of standards, however, that is, Apple's claim that it is merely defending App Store users from inappropriate content and scams. But does Apple really want to keep us out of harm's way? So much to talk about today, so let's get cracking. Amy Miller is a senior correspondent covering privacy, data security and antitrust. Mike Acton is also a senior correspondent for Emlex covering antitrust and big tech. Both are based in our San Francisco bureau. And I'm happy to say that both are with me right now. Um, Mike, let's start with you. And uh, maybe you could give us a brief overview of what Epic has accused Apple of doing. So Epic basically says that Apple is exploiting its control over the iPhone and all handheld devices that work on the iOS operating system. Um, And it's doing that by monopolizing two aftermarkets within the iOS ecosystem. Um, So that would be the distribution of apps through the App Store and the payment mechanism that's used or required by Apple uh, for digital purchases in app. So it says that the tying of that payment mechanism to the App Store is unfair because it comes with this 30% commission fee, which, uh, which developers chafe at. And it wants uh, rival versions, uh, rival payment mechanisms on the App Store. And not just that, it wants to remove the uh, App Store's exclusive right to, to, to be on the iPhone. So you would have alternate um, App Stores on the iPhone, including, for example, Epic Games' own Epic Games Store. And just in a nutshell, what does Apple say about this? How does it respond to these uh, to these charges? So Apple says it's it's basically got two lines of defense here. In the, in the in the first case, it says we Apple don't have a monopoly in the iOS operating system market. That uh, in effect, if you don't like what the deal is when you buy an, an Apple iPhone or a, or a handheld device, if you don't like that deal, then you can go to any other smartphone provider and purchase your apps there. And on top of that, it says, obviously, the dispute here is with Epic. Now, Epic says that it's come on behalf of all developers uh, on the App Store. So that the take issue with these rules. So, for example, Spotify um, or Match Group, the, the company that owns Tinder. But Apple says, no, well, this, this case is about Epic. Epic has a game called Fortnite, which obviously resulted in this confrontation where um, Epic tried to find a way to get around Apple's in-app payment system, or rather it did find a way to get around Apple's in-app payment system back in August last year and bypassed it and was then kicked from the store. And Apple says, no, this is a uh, this is a gaming market and we compete with Microsoft Xbox or Sony's PlayStation. And if you're a Fortnite player, well, you lose the option to play on the iOS. Well, fine, well, you just go elsewhere and you go and play on on, on a console. Um, and then the second point Apple makes is that this is its basically, or the broad sort of uh, defense Apple has is that this is its own product and that the App Store and the in-app payment mechanism are sort of baked into it. 
Um, and they have devices which are known for having higher levels of security on them, and that if you were to break open that business model, the so-called walled garden, you would fundamentally undermine the quality of the product and the user experience. Okay, Mike, I'm not sure if you're a Fortnite player yourself, but just give us a bit of a sense of what's at stake for Epic and Apple here, and uh, maybe also for Fortnite um, gamers. Uh, well, unfortunately, I'm not a Fortnite player. Uh, I am familiar with Fortnite, of course. Uh, it's, a, it's a cultural phenomenon, really. Um, what's at stake for Epic? Well, they entered into this confrontation with Apple and the game has been removed from the App Store. So when you come out the other side of this, I mean, what Epic's trying to do is reduce that commission fee um, for all those in-app transactions that Fortnite players make. Uh, but not just that, it's also, it claims to be representing all developers and it wants to create a sort of competition within the Apple devices so that when you go on your on your, on your iPhone, you can choose where you want to go for whichever apps you want, including games. So they're trying to crack that open. Obviously, if they were to lose the case, they have options, they can still appeal it, but there's no obligation on uh, Apple to allow Fortnite back onto the store if Apple wins the case. Then there's the question of, well, what's Epic's long game here? I mean, one thing we've seen in this trial so far, we've had a real sort of education in the, the, the gaming market and how it's evolving. And one of the things that Apple has in the pipeline is things like um, augmented reality or virtual reality headsets. And I think that it's in the long game that Epic is playing here, they want to break that business model that Apple has, the so-called walled garden, and uh, ensure that any future devices for gaming don't follow that so that they have this sort of, that they're not closed off to uh, alternative alternative, um, stores. So for Apple, there's a huge amount on the line. Um, and that's why they've brought out some really big players at Apple. I mean, they brought out people like Phil Schiller, who's the sort of guru of the App Store. Um, they've brought out Matt Fisher, who's the um, vice president for the App Store. And of course, they're going to have uh, Tim Cook testifying. So they're very serious here about what's at stake for their business. I mean, we know one of the things that Epic thinks is sort of in its favor here is the huge sums that Apple gets from the commission fees that it levies on transactions in the App Store. Um, Apple obviously quibbles over how much exactly it makes from the App Store, and it says it doesn't keep these calculations separate. But what we do know is that it's it's in the billions. And according to the Epic accountant, um, Ned Barnes, it's, it's somewhere in the region of an 80% operating margin on the App Store. So that's just pure profit. So, um, of course, there's huge profits, Epic says, point to a monopoly, but that doesn't at the end of the day, prove that Apple operates a monopoly, but it is a huge income line for Apple. So with its whole model on the line, um, it's throwing everything it has at this case. The, the numbers have been eye-popping in, this, uh, in, in the trial. What's come out is that uh, Apple made, I think, what was it, $100 million just in commissions off of Fortnite alone. That's one game. So is that right? Is that, uh, yes. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, $100 yeah. Million. Um, and so it sort of surprised everyone when that number came out in court. Um, so, yeah, you can see that this cash cow is really uh, at stake here for Apple, and, and they're very eager to protect it. Okay, now, Amy, at what point of the trial are we at at the moment? I mean, we're recording this late on your Thursday. How long uh, has it been up until now, and what's it like uh, covering a trial of this sort in the midst of a pandemic? 
Well, we're in the final stretch of a, of a very long three-week trial. Um, the big witness that everyone is expecting is tomorrow. That's Tim Cook. He's going to be at the, on the stand at 8.15 Pacific time tomorrow. Um, and so the big thing, so after Tim Cook uh, testifies, then uh, they're going to call up the very last witnesses, and they're going to have on Monday this thing called a hot tubbing. Um, and that's when the expert witnesses are going to give evidence to the court, but they're not going to do it one by one. They're going to be uh, kind of cross-examined together in, in the witness box. And so they're going to have all these questions coming at them at the same time. Um, and that's something that's actually come up in, in Australia. This is, was something that came up in Apple Samsung. So the judge has made it clear, though, that it's going to take her a while to issue her ruling. Um, you know, she's got three weeks of evidence to look at, mountains and mountains of documents and, and, and depositions to go over and testimony. Um, so, you know, I would I would expect it to take a few months, really, for her to, to get a decision out. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're in the home stretch. So everybody's tired and exhausted, and we're looking forward to, to the end. And, Amy, what about the pandemic? What's it been like uh, covering this trial? Uh, presumably you've been doing it all online, right? Uh, well, it's been challenging. I would, I would call it one of the most challenging uh, trials I've ever covered because of the pandemic. There's very limited access to the courtroom. Uh, the judge has uh, limited the number of people who can be in, inside the courtroom. And so that's been only two reporters are allowed every day. Um, so everybody else has had to listen on a phone line. And that phone line um, can be pretty uh, fuzzy sometimes. And the witnesses, they're not as loud or, or speaking as forcefully as you would hope. So it can be a challenge to follow them. One of the funny things that happened, though, on the first day of the trial, they had a public line, and they, the court couldn't figure out how to how to mute the people who were signing on. So they had all these youngsters, gamers, getting on the line saying "Free Fortnite, Free Fortnite," and they were they were chatting about their YouTube channels, and they were chatting with each other. And it took about twenty minutes to finally figure out how to silence these people on the public line because uh, they couldn't figure it out. So. We've had reporters, one reporter in the courtroom every day who does a pool report, uh, and that's kind of challenging. They have to kind of transcribe everything for all the other reporters who are following. It's been challenging. Um, I would call it challenging for everyone, not just us, for the court staff. I mean, the court staff has to deal with AT&T's phone lines, and if there's any sort of problem, they can't just fix it. They have to rely on AT&T to come in and, and fix it, and that's not always easy. So, yeah, it's challenging. <laughs> One thing that must have been particularly challenging on a phone line, Amy, would have been the case of the tuxedo-wearing anthropomorphic banana. Now, tell me something about this, because uh, this is this is a real showstopper, isn't it? Well, yes. Uh, so, Agent Peely is, was his name, and he's a, a, a banana character that uh, you can buy in an outfit in the Fortnite game Battle Royale. So um, Apple's lawyer was walking Epic's vice president of marketing, uh, Matthew Weisinger. He was walking him through uh, how to play Fortnite, Battle Royale. And, you know, he's illustrating all these, these gamers shooting each other up, and they're talking really violently. And, and, and in the decorum of the court, he, he was showing Agent Peely with his tuxedo on. Well, the Epic lawyer uh, picked up on this immediately and went on cross-exam and said, you know, what, is, what does Agent Peely look like without his tuxedo? And, uh, and uh, Weisinger said, it's just a banana man. And this was <laughs> maybe the most notable quote from the trial, I think, because it gets to the real heart of Apple's defense here. So what Apple is trying to do is portray, 
this is what this is what the absurd is going. It's going to be this wild west if we open up the doors to people like you know Epic and their 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 games that are violent, and you're going to have you know unclothed characters and pornography. And- uh, but but Amy, we should make it absolutely clear to listeners who might be a bit confused about Agent Peely. The suggestion is that when he doesn't have his tuxedo on, we we get to see what his fictional genitals is that bit. That was the idea, right? That he was that, that he was wearing this tuxedo to you know hide some something that was uh, inappropriate, and uh, the, the and the so the lawyer was saying, what do you mean inappropriate? You know, it's just it's just a banana. But but like I was saying, Apple it, it goes to the it goes to the heart of Apple's defense here, um, which is its its security and privacy uh, protections. They argue that uh, this is a pro-competitive benefit. That, that that's why people buy their products is for the privacy and the security. They, they keep out fraudsters and pornographic content and, and, and banana men that are not clothed properly. Um, and Epic has challenged this uh, in court. You know, they've pointed out through numerous witnesses that there's lots of fraud that can slip through the cracks, that there's pornography that can slip through the cracks. But it's been the crux of Apple's defense. And just about every, every witness that they've called has, has addressed in some way you know this this pro competitive benefit of, of of privacy and security if they're witness for Apple. I guess one of the things that's been with the Agent Peely business and and all this is there's a slight blurring of the lines between what what security is and what content moderation is that's provided by the App Store. And so we've had a variety of experts that have gone up, um, but the Epic expert is James Mickens, right? Um, who's the Harvard computer scientist. And his argument is basically that, this, that there are core security functions that you have from the iOS, iOS operating system and also from just the underlying hardware, the phone itself, which protect people. And all the App Store is really doing is what Amy is talking about there, which is just keeping out dirty content. But that led to some really absurd situations where you have the Epic lawyer walking through all of the salacious apps that you can get already in the App Store and pointing out how easy it is to access things like pornography just through various apps you can get on the App Store, which led to Phil Schiller saying that he didn't know what Pornhub was, which was another sort of slightly <laughs> absurd moment in the trial. Surely the name says it all, yeah. right? You don't really expect pornography and things like this to come up in an antitrust trial, but it certainly has. It goes back to this controversial 2018 Supreme Court decision, uh, Ohio v. Amex, and Basically, Amex is a two-sided platform, right? So it brings together customers and stores and and it, it, together so they can buy something. And so um, the court said, the Supreme Court said that in a two-sided market, you know, you can't just look at one side. You have to look at, you have to weigh the alleged harm on one side of the two-sided market <laughs> against the potentially pro-competitive benefits on the other. And so Apple is arguing that it is, just like Amex, a two-sided platform. It's got developers on one side, consumers on the other, and that, that it needs to have these restrictions in place. It needs to have the 30% commission. It needs to have all of these guidelines in place so that it can have these pro-competitive benefits of security and privacy. And, of course, e- e- you know, Epic is arguing, well, you know, that doesn't give them permission to be a monopolist. But, yeah, it all goes back to this controversial Amex decision. Mike, this, of course, was a bench trial, so there's no jury to sway. Uh, what can you tell us about U.S. District Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers and what has she been interested in? So she is known for being very tough. She keeps a tight control of the courtroom 
I'm trying to avoid cliches here, but you know, someone who doesn't suffer fools, that's, which is a cliche, but that is what she is. Um, and she's been, she's asked some interesting questions, but she hasn't been, um, hugely vocal throughout the trial. In fact, she actually said today that one of the reasons she was doing that was because she's aware that loads of people are listening and she doesn't want people to be trying to read in and read her mind and that she hasn't made up her mind yet. So, um, which is, I guess, good, what you'd expect from a judge that she's listening to both sides and she's going to weigh the arguments they've made. And in a case this complex, it makes sense that she wouldn't have reached a decision yet. So, I mean, for, for me, I'm trying to think of, she, she has obviously, over the course of three weeks, she has spoken plenty on, on various things. But I mean, one of the things that immediately springs to mind for me is when I can't, I, it's, it's been a number of witnesses that have been on the stand because she's brought it up a couple of times, which is this question about, can you or should you treat uh, a platform like the App Store uh, as what the jargon is uh, an essential facility, but basically that it's like a utility, like uh, a railway line or, uh, you know, the electricity main. She's asked numerous questions about that, yeah. She's asked several, um, and that is actually in Epic's um, court filing. They have actually got a provision, they've got got numerous claims against Apple, and one of them is that it's abusing an essential facility. But it's not really come up. But what is interesting is that she seems uh, interested in this question about uh, market power uh, and whether you can really treat Apple as, as a monopoly in the classic sense or whether she needs to think about more creative ways of defining that power. That's not to say that she is going to do anything extreme or radical, but she's very interested in trying to sort of define Apple. And then I'd say the second thing which came up before the trial had even started was that she has questioned whether Epic is the ideal plaintiff in the case because as we've already mentioned... Um, Epic is not a small developer that is entirely dependent for its business on going through the App Store. And there are developers like that out there, and they have brought witnesses up who, uh, if they're not entirely dependent, are heavily dependent on Apple for their business. Um, I think one thing nobody could say is that Fortnite would... Well, we know Fortnite won't cease to exist because it's not on the App Store. It'll lose revenue, but it won't cease to exist. And so she's said that, that, you know, this case is complicated by the fact that you have this whole gaming market that she has to wrap her head around and that Apple is hammering on as its market definition. Um, So that's very interesting. I think she's she's obviously very aware of what's at stake in this case. And she's aware, as she said, that it's on the fringes of antitrust law. Um, and that what she does is going to get appealed. She's also said that. She knows that the case is going to be appealed to. Yeah. Whichever way she rules, that case is going to go to the Ninth Circuit for some appeal. All right. Uh, Pornhub, obscene banana cartoon characters, video games, hot tubs. Uh, this case has it all. Thank you both for the time you're spending on this. We really appreciate it. Let's talk again soon. Thanks. Thank you, James. Mike Acton and Amy Miller are MLEX senior correspondents covering data privacy and security as well as antitrust from our office in San Francisco, California. And if you want to find out more about the case, there is a delightful piece of analysis penned by Amy and Mike. You can find it at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just head for the News Hub tab. As for our podcast, well, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. Leave a review where possible and help us spread the word. Sadly, though, that's where we'll have to leave it for today. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back in your feed at more or less the same time next Friday. From me, James Panicki, and everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again very, very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.